Well, high school football is now in full swing. You know, it seems always like the, the season is just so short. Uh, it's probably because it starts snowing in like October around here. But this means that the practice for the season has to start like in the middle of summer, long before classes even resume. And, and I always think when I see those guys out there practicing, it, it's pretty hot out there in the middle of August at times. And it amazes me that the guys are out there in that August heat, their pads on everything, uh, running drills and just getting ready for the season. And, and it looks almost like a form of punishment, you know? Uh, but I bet if I were to ask them, at least maybe after practice, they'd probably tell me that they need to be tough, that they need to be well-prepared for the challenges that are coming ahead in the games, and that they're not being punished, but rather trained, or to use another word, disciplined in their game. Whenever we encounter hardship in this life, whether it's because we're being pushed by a coach to do what seems impossible and painful, uh, or if we're dealing with the suffering of, say, like a serious illness or or facing the loss of a loved one, or if we're being challenged by the church and her rules to change our behavior, we should remember that suffering can be good for us. Now, we shouldn't seek it out for its own sake, right? That would be unhealthy, (laughs) that'd be weird. But at times when it comes... Suffering is good for us. Think of it this way. Scripture tells us God treats us as sons. Right here in the letter to the Hebrews, we read this. And as the letter points out, a good father disciplines his sons. At the time, says the letter, all discipline seems a cause not for joy, but for pain. Yet later... It brings the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who are trained by it. So discipline seems like pain, not joy. But later on, then we know there's righteousness flowing from this. We've been trained by this suffering. So a coach pushes his players so they can win games. A father disciplines his children so they can grow up to be good, virtuous men and women. God and his church discipline us so that we and those who know us might leave behind whatever's holding us back from heaven. Heaven is, after all, the goal. And uh, that's why today's gospel message or passage is is honestly a little frightening. Because someone asked Jesus a question we've all been at least a little curious about, I think. Lord, will only a few people be saved? You know, how many are going to get into heaven? Is it going to be just a small number? And Jesus' response was not to say, well, don't worry, everyone's saved. He doesn't say that. That seems to be the assumption a lot of people make these days, uh, that we don't need to worry about getting to heaven. So in consequence, we don't think about heaven much at all. In our daily life. That's a very bad thing because Jesus said the gate to heaven is narrow. And then here's the really scary part. 
Jesus said, Many will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. So we need, it seems, to be strong enough to enter. There must be some sort of challenge to entering heaven. It's not assured that we will get there. We need to be disciplined to make it. And while today it seems we assume that we'll all get to heaven, that wasn't always the case. I mean, in the past centuries in the church, the question, will many be saved, would be answered by Catholics as a strong no. Catholics at the time, in in past times, have lived in servile fear of not getting to heaven. It was paralyzing. They worried a great deal about this question and assumed there was no chance. So we've worried a lot about this, and I think in doing so we've erred at times in these two different extremes. Sometimes presuming on God's mercy, like most people do nowadays, thinking, oh, I'll be in heaven. Or, on the other hand, being absolutely terrified of God's wrath and thinking there's no hope. But in attempting to provide a yes or no answer to the question, will many be saved, we really do get a little bit off track. If we look at Jesus' actual words, we notice he doesn't say yes, and he doesn't say no. He doesn't say 75% or whatever percent are going to hell. Instead, he answered the question by simply saying, strive to enter through the narrow gate. So imagine one of the football players running up to the coach and asking, you know, like in the middle of practice, coach, how many games are we going to win? And the coach might respond, well, don't worry about that yet. Get out there. Practice. It's as if Jesus says to us, don't worry about how many will be saved. You strive for the narrow gate. It doesn't matter how many will be saved. What matters for you and I is that we strive for the narrow gate. But how do we do that? Well, very practical way is to make an honest and frequent examination of conscience. Sort of a review of how closely we're following God's law in our actual daily life. So our night prayers before bed are a good time to do this. For example, uh, before we go to bed, we might ask ourselves some questions about the day. Did I fail to spend time in prayer today? Did I use the Lord's name in vain, you know, as a curse? Did I skip weekend mass? Have I been disrespectful to parents or authority figures? Did I harbor anger towards others or harm them in some way? Did I look lustfully at others? Did I look at pornography or engage in sexual activities outside of marriage? Uh, Did I steal anything? Was I envious of others? And if we discern that on that day we're not living rightly, and if we're honest, none of us are perfect, we then should strive to correct the problems with God's grace, right? We don't earn our way through this. The striving is really a striving to detach ourselves from obstacles more than it is earning our way anywhere. So we strive with God's grace to correct the problem so we can enter the narrow gate. This is like how a coach 
points out trouble spots in a player's game. Uh, Similarly, the church's rules point out trouble spots in our moral lives and provides help to correct the problems. The help comes to us, for example, through the healing power of confession or the help of Jesus in the Eucharist and in frequent, frequent prayer to help us to overcome sin and so on. His grace, his help is very much available to us and abundant. And then also on a natural level, we need to change. So if a person's in an immoral relationship, we need to do more than just say we're sorry to God and go to confession. We need to end the relationship. So if there's an immoral relationship, you need to end that. If you're, if you're stealing, a person needs to stop that. If the person's gossiping or taking the Lord's name in vain or just free, freely choosing to skip Sunday Mass or if we're looking lustfully at other people, they should stop. Because if they don't, they may not enter heaven when they die. And that would be the greatest tragedy of all. We might wonder, will many be saved? And, yeah, we hope a lot will be, but it's not really a helpful question. And that's why Jesus puts us back on track and says, in effect, don't worry about the numbers. Be concerned that you are on the path to the narrow gate that leads to heaven. Because while heaven is absolutely possible for everyone, thanks to Jesus, it's not assured for anyone in this life. So let us be disciplined, let us be trained and ready for the tough journey through this life to sainthood. And let's pray for one another too, uh, that we find ourselves together as saints in heaven someday.